We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Monday night after a 99-96 Wolves loss at home against the Phoenix Suns. And we're going to get right into that game. Uh, tonight, which was actually Carl Anthony Towns' 26th birthday, was maybe Cap's best individual game of the season. Uh, he Defensively, he helped out, hold down the fort. Uh, the Suns... Only shot 46% from two, 23% from three. But really, it was uh, it was the offensive end of the floor where where Cat got it going. He had, he had 35 points tonight, capped by a 16-point fourth quarter. But the problem, if you watch the game with that 16-point fourth quarter, is that he did not take a final shot in the final two minutes and 18 seconds of what ended up being a really close game down the stretch. I just rewatched those... Final two minutes, and we're gonna we're gonna run through them here to start. So again, two eighteen left in the game. The Wolves are up ninety to eighty eight, ninety to eighty eight, and the Suns have the ball. They're at a high pick and roll with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, which was basically their the Suns' entire offense. Um, the whole that whole last two minutes of the game, Booker cuts back door off of that. Chris Paul finds him for an open fifteen footer, ninety to ninety. The Wolves kind of playing the role of we're winning the game. They slowly walk the ball up into up into the half court, and they get in their little late game horn set thing they do with D'Lo up top, Cat and Ant at the elbows. Uh, Ant pops out for a catch, swings the ball to D'Lo. It's a step back three by D'Lo that he misses. Cat, uh, Mikael Bridges gets the defensive rebound, and Cat just kind of commits a silly foul on Bridges after that rebound, which was... Pretty critical, given the time, because then Bridges is going down to shoot two free throws. Fortunately, he only makes one of them, so it's 91-90. to uh, Suns lead. Wolves have the ball. Cat and D'Lo high pick and roll. D'Lo rejects the screen, actually. He drives, gets fouled, makes both of his free throws. So the Wolves now have a one-point lead. Again, Suns go back the other way. It's Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, high pick and roll. They have The Wolves have Cat, like, hedge up really aggressively high on that one. And Aiton rolls hard, so before Cat can recover down into the lane, Aiton has the ball for a layup, 93-92. to Remember that play. Wolves ball, they don't run any action. 
D'Lo isolates for a mid-range pull-up. He misses it, so it's still Suns 93, Wolves 92. Again, back down the floor. Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, high pick and roll. Uh, Booker gets a pin-down action off of that. Chris Paul hits him again for a mid-range shot that Booker makes. 95-92, Suns, Wolves call a timeout. And here we go. Things start getting weird. Uh, Wolves have the ball with 47 seconds left, and Ant tries to inbound it to Cat, where Cat kind of fumbles the pass. And the ball, remember, 47 seconds left. The ball kind of squirts out, and D'Lo grabs it at about 18 feet and sprints with the ball to the corner for a fadeaway three that he misses, which was just, again, it's kind of a broken play, but it was it was just really bad and then weird execution because Dilo's response was just sort of bizarre there to scramble for a three in that situation felt desperate. Like it would be, it looked like a play as if there was like four seconds left on the clock and the Wolves needed a three to tie the game. But again, it's a three point game and there's 47 seconds left. Fortunately, that Dilo miss was offensive rebounded by Patrick Beverly, who put it back up and in and he got the and one on it. So it's a three-point play to tie the game, but Beverly actually misses his free throw there. So the Wolves are still down one, but Jaden McDaniels gets that offensive rebound on, on the missed free throw, kicks it to Beverly. The Wolves have the ball up top. Pat Bev gives it to D'Lo. D'Lo isolates on Booker. Yeah, this was an interesting play because D'Lo does one of those little like step back, pump fake sort of moves where he gets Booker to kind of jump up into him. But D'Lo leans into him trying to get the contact. It's one of those plays that might have been called a foul a year ago. But if you've been following the NBA, you know they've changed that rule this year. So it ends up being a miss. Again, the Wolves are down one at this point. And Jay Crowder gets the rebound. Suns ball up one. 20 seconds left. The Wolves, the, the, the Wolves foul Chris Paul. And Chris Paul makes both the free throws. So it's 97-94 Suns at that point. The Wolves are down three here with 19 seconds left. And I thought as I was sitting there watching the game, I thought it was an interesting question of like, what do you do here? Do you, if you're, if you're Chris Finch, do you drop a play for a two or do you drop a play for a three? And if you watch the game, this was, this was that inbound play to D'Lo where he just slipped it again, just like he did in that Utah game last year, if you remember, and it was a wide open layup to the basket uh, for, for a two point shot. But what was interesting is after the game, Cat explained that that was not the play, even though it looked exactly like the same play the Wolves ran a year ago and same time and situation against Utah. Here's Cat explaining that after the game. Told Dilo when we walked in the court, the ball's not coming to me. You're going to get the ball by yourself, guaranteed. Dilo came to set that screen and he just slipped for the easy two. That was a play for me to get a pick to step back to shoot three. I told him it's not going to get that far because he's going to be wide open by himself to the basket. I told him just to cut. And he listened to me. Coach is going to hear this and be like, oh, okay, but it worked. So was that, was that like the Utah game last year? Yes. It was one of those things. I just knew going in, you know, I'd been scoring the ball at a high rate. I knew that they were going to all be worried about me. And I could tell when I got on the court the way Crowder was guarding me. The way he was kind of trying to feel out, talk to me. I knew he was very focused on not letting me get the ball, and that's obviously use aggression to your advantage. Dilo is going to come, supposed to set a screen, just slip out, just keep going to the basket. You're going to be wide open, 
and that's why it was so it was wide open like I expected. So, so I'm very surprised to hear that because it looked like the same play. Uh, but most the most important part is that the Wolves got the bucket. So it's now Suns 97, Wolves 96, 18 seconds left. I agree. It was a good move to go for the two there. Suns inbounded to Booker, who immediately immediately gets fouled by D'Lo. And Booker's going to the line shooting two. And Booker actually misses the front end, only makes the second shot. So it's now a two-point game with 16 seconds left. Wolves ball. The Wolves have no timeouts left. So they just inbound it to D'Lo, who is dribbling the ball up the floor, points to Ant for him to go to the corner. D'Lo gets past half court, gives the ball to Cat at the top of the key. And I'll note right here, because I'm making this all about Cat, you know, not necessarily getting any, any shots. This was a spot where Cat had the ball right here for a second, and he was looking to pass it. He runs a dribble handoff with Ant, who now has it up top himself. D'Lo comes to set a screen for Ant, but peels off of it for a wide open pop that he misses the three. And Ant somehow gets the long rebound at about 17 feet. There's four seconds left at this time. And for some reason, Ant's first instinct as he catches the ball at 17 feet down by two is to try and dribble back to the three-point line. And while he's dribbling back towards the three-point line, he fumbles the ball. Jay Crowder gets it. Game over. Now, that's obviously a mistake by Ant. The mistake you know, isn't necessarily fumbling the ball. Like That's kind of going to happen. The, you know, or occasionally that's going to happen. The mistake... I thought was not grabbing the ball and immediately going to the rim there. It's a scramble defense off of an offensive rebound. There's room there and there's four seconds left. There's a good chance that Ant could maybe score through that scramble defense or at least get a foul while he's attacking the rim. Or even just rather than pulling it back to the three-point line, I wouldn't have minded if he just grabbed the offensive rebound and immediately... Shot the mid-range shot there from 17 feet. I thought the mistake was trying to dribble back to the three-point line. Not because he fumbled it, but because it was a time that they didn't need a three. It, it, it was oddly similar to that time with 45 seconds left where D'Lo got the loose ball in the scramble situation and grabbed it and similarly scampered back to the three-point line where he missed it before that Pat Bev offensive rebound. Which all just leads me back to thinking, like, this is a lot of Ant and D'Lo. Leads us back to being like, how did Cat not get a shot in the final two minutes and 18 seconds of this game? Cat, who was not only hot, but is pretty obviously the most efficient scorer on the team. So that's the question. You know, why was Cat only used as a decoy down the stretch of the game? Why, through all of that, was he uninvolved in deciding what really happened in any of the actions. That was the question posed to Chris Finch here post-game. You said, too, about Dilo did have a great look there at the end. When you're um, kind of coming out of timeouts and getting into the flow in those last-minute situations, yeah. are you saying we need to get the ball to Carl here, or is it just kind of like trying to see what comes through the, the offense? Or Well, I mean, there were several different situations there at the end. I mean, we, we you know, we just were looking for uh, – the best shot with 16 seconds on. We just wanted to kind of get into something quickly, turn the corner, see what broke loose. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got a great, great look by one of our best shooters. So. I definitely don't disagree with the idea that D'Lo is one of the best shooters on the team or that 
they got a really good look from him in that situation. But honestly, as I rewatched those final two and a half minutes, what's on my mind here after not only watching the Wolves possessions, but also the Phoenix possessions down the stretch is just, you know, why couldn't the Wolves function their offense in a way similar to how the Suns function theirs? I mean, Chris Paul, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, right? Like they aren't, they aren't all that different in terms of like the archetype of a threesome of players compared to D'Lo, Ant, and Cat, right? Like you, you'd like to see a better flow from those three Wolves players, similar to how it flowed from Paul. We talked about that Ayton role. We talked about Booker on those pin downs. That just isn't happening with the Wolves. They aren't having a a flow between their three best players. And I thought Britt Robson posed a really interesting question to Carl postgame about this kind of nature of the Wolves' three players at the end of games and whether or not those three players have talked about how, as a trio, they want to handle these type of situations in the game. Here's Britt and Carl. You guys obviously have three pretty elite scorers on your roster. Um, have you, the three of you, gotten together and talked about, you know, the fact that all three of you can put the team on your back and in situations where one maybe is better suited to do that. And if a guy is a little cold some night, what might happen? I mean, has there been any discussion about like uh, trying to figure out best situations for each one of you three? I think we talk about it normally, just kind of not, it's not something I think the way you're saying is like have a full blown meeting about it. Yeah, or I mean, yeah, kind of just understand. I think it comes out just in the flow of talking. I don't think it's something we really have talked about, to be honest. I think that it's something what you're exactly saying is I don't think we're actually talking about much. That's not something that's really a a conversation piece. I think it's more about trying to find the flow, trying to find out how can all of us have a high usage, but also, also playing off of each other. You know, I think, you know, a flow. I guess that's the best word to put it together. Also, flow. Uh, I think that's what we talk about more. I think your question is more of like, you know, someone's cold, someone's hot, games on the line. What are we trying to get to? How are we trying to get to that? Be honest, I, don't I think guess what I'm saying is all three of you for sure pro- properly feel like you could yeah. win the game. And so is there a, a frustration level when you're not the guy? <laughs> you know? uh, I think I think it's about sacrificing for the team. And I think that sometimes even tonight, uh, I had it rolling, but I think what gave D'Lo that open shot at the end, which was a great shot, a shot I'd take a hundred times in a row, uh, was the fact that I never, it never, the ball was never meant to come my way. It, I set a good screen on Ant, Ant got the ball, passed it right back on a boomerang to D'Lo, and D'Lo had a wide open three for the game. That's a great ball movement, good pace, you know, great shot. I mean, can't be mad at that. Sometimes, sometimes I'm have to be a decoy. In response to that, I'd like to, point out that this in theory right is a good problem to have you do hope you do have three players who are capable of creating taking and making good shots late in games i do however think it's kind of illuminating that there's not a clear pecking order there quite honestly or and that they haven't talked about it and and just i i think cat is probably being too nice here i think you'd probably like him to demand it a little bit more because he's the best option. I understand there's some difficulties to to creating offense through your center and late game situations. 
And I understand, you know, Ant is up and coming and trying to prove himself. And D'Lo definitely has a history in those situations. But isn't this just kind of like a microcosm of what's going on with the Wolves and their big three right now? That Ant is trying to prove himself. D'Lo is also trying to be a main part of the offense. And Cat is just not getting a slice of the pie that is corresponding to how good he is offensively. It's... It's understandable for those three to you know, struggle to be talking about this, but it's beginning to feel like something that needs to be talked about, right? Like, how are they going to handle it? This is kind of becoming a thing where the Wolves have these three good options, but they, they're certainly not coming together to be greater than the sum of their parts, and I wouldn't even say they're coming together to be a sum of three. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and then come back to go through some other notes from this game and look forward also to Wednesday's game against the Kings. Today's show is brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener, matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today, to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' three-point loss to the Phoenix Suns on Monday night. And I have a few more things from that one that I want to get to tonight. And I think the main one I want to make sure I note is how Anthony Edwards somehow, I thought, played a pretty good game despite only scoring nine points. If I said that a year ago, that would make no sense, right? Anthony Edwards, as a rookie, was pretty much exclusively a scorer. He didn't really provide much of anything else outside of that. And tonight, he didn't provide anything on the offensive end. He was one of five from two, one of six from three. It was it was just one of his worst and least involved games of his career on that end. But I thought he didn't play that bad. And, and to note that, I'm going to make Anthony Edwards the forgotten star of tonight's game because I don't want to forget that I think this was maybe his best and most engaged defensive game of his career. Those of you who are listening to this back during the preseason, uh, you, you might remember me talking about and really getting excited about how Edwards played defense in the first preseason game uh, of this season. And to be honest, that optimism I had after that has looked pretty misguided this season. You know, We were excited about the impact that that could have, Ant going from being a one-way player to a, someone who is showing like he has it in him to be a two-way player. But that hasn't happened this season. And I think Ant's defense prior to tonight kind of got away f- in the first 10 games of the season, got away from really committing to team concept defensively. He reverted back to only making a defensive impact when he was getting steals. But tonight I thought he did a really good job of playing off ball in, in the Wolves' low man concept. He was taking away rollers with tags and coming over to contest shots at the rim. Obviously, the one example of this that's going to, I might not even recognize that it's within the team concept, but he had that huge block in the first quarter against Devin, I think it was Devin Booker, where he was just way above the rim and pinned it on the glass. But on that play, he, you know, Ant was rotating effectively and, and he was doing that the whole night. He doesn't make that block without a properly timed rotation. I thought he also took the challenge of guarding Devin Booker. It was it was fascinating during the fourth quarter to see that it was Jade McDaniels matched up against Chris Paul and Anthony Edwards on Devin Booker. It's a pretty wild development for your two second-year players. I mean, both Booker and Paul got going late, so I'm, by no means am I saying they like shut him down. But I felt that was more of a product of those two players being all NBA players than it was about Edwards or McDaniels having some sort of defensive liability or breakdown. It was certainly the most complimentary Finch has been of Ant's defense all season. He he noted in his post game how Ant had 12 rebounds and six assists despite, you know, shooting it really poorly all night. McCat had 13 rebounds so he was technically the leader in rebounds for the game, but but Edwards has found himself as one of the Wolves' top rebounders a handful of these games. There's a there's a lot on Ant in this game that's his fault. We talked about the late game fumble for sure. And really, I mean, if, if he's making more shots during the course of the game, we're not even talking about this right now. This game's probably not even close. But at the same time, I don't want to I don't want to brush over this defensive performance and put it in the this was a bad game bin from Ant because I don't know. I personally I don't feel like it was. Given where Ant was as a defender a year ago. Any impressive defensive performance is is pretty noteworthy to me. 
So that's why Anthony Edwards is tonight's Forgotten Star of the game presented by Forgotten Star Brewery. Uh, you obviously all know at this point I'm talking to you about Forgotten Star all the time. Uh, they're a partner of the podcast this season and a brewery I urge you all to check out in Fridley. They're also kind enough to give a dollar off beers to anyone who mentions this, mentions this show when you come up to, to the bar to order a beer. Uh, another note I want to get to from this game is the Wolves rotation. Bye-bye, 11-man rotation. That's gone. <laughs> that experiment did not work and has seems to be given up on. The Wolves only played eight players tonight, and really it was seven players because Josh Okoge had back spasms in the second quarter that kept them out of the rest of the game. So it was it was just a cycle of the, the starters plus McDaniels and Beasley off the bench. Obviously, the rotation was in part lowered due to Nas Reed you know, missing today's game with right foot stiffness. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt got the backup minutes tonight at center, but really, you know, we're, we're seeing Finch trim things down. Torian Prince's minutes have all been eliminated from the rotation, not just for tonight. And the experiments with Jordan McLaughlin as a third point guard are becoming far fewer and further in between. And then of course, Jay claim and Jalen Noel, Leandro Balmaro and Nathan Knight, they remain buried outside of the wolves nightly rotation. I'll be curious to see if this sticks. You know, are they going to go from being an 11-man team to an 8-man team? What are they going to do against the Kings? I will say I watched Nas Reed try and warm up before tonight's game, and he was very much, he was, he was you know, favoring that foot, not not pushing off of it all that much. He really just shot some jump shots, and and that was about it. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Nas misses another game on, on Wednesday. That game is against the Kings, and I want to preview that a little here because this afternoon I watched the Kings' most recent game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Kings lost that game, which dropped their record on the season to 5-8, and eight. though I did see they beat the Pistons tonight, so Sacramento is now, I guess, 6-8 and eight on the season. But just from the, the one full game I watched, I was very unimpressed with the Kings, and you know, not going to lie, I... <laughs> What I was just watching that, I was like, this has to be a Wolves win on Wednesday. Like, this Kings team, like last year, just doesn't really have an identity. They don't, they don't seem to lean into the speed of De'Aaron Fox's game. They're a middling pace team, and they don't lean into Buddy Heald's three-point shooting necessarily. They're below league average and three-point volume as a team. In a weird way, maybe it was just this game, most recent one I've watched, but Rashawn Holmes kind of feels like the identity of that team where he's kind of the guy that everyone on the roster seems to play well with. So as I'm noting that with the with the Wolves in mind, I think taking away Rashawn Holmes will be pretty important um, in that game. Other than that, like Sacramento's offense is just awkward. The, the Kings, they do start two bigs. So we always we always note that for Wolves opponents. Holmes starts and Shemezi Metu also, also starts a power forward for them. Uh, you know, Metsu's kind of like a Vanderbilt-y type of guy, or last year he was, where he's just got one of those guys with energy and fight, um, which will be something for the Wolves to, you know, to fight with in in Wednesday's game. Remember last year how Metsu and Nas Reed got in a fight? I wonder if Nas will play. That'll be <laughs> that'll be interesting to track. Also, I'll note, Shemezi Metsu apparently now shoots threes, so that is a it's not like two bigs that are just plotting in the paint. They, they use Metu as a, as a floor spacer. Mostly, I'm just pointing out the fact that the Kings can go big. They also bring Tristan Thompson off the bench, who 
you know, remains an offensive rebounding force. So the Wolves will the Wolves will need to be ready for a bigger opponent on Wednesday. Marvin Bagley is apparently playing again too. He didn't play in that Thunder game, but I again just checking the box score. He played 18 minutes tonight after very publicly being removed from the Kings rotation. So if you're thinking about this Kings game and you know that Bagley hasn't been playing at all, I maybe he will be in the mix on Wednesday. But again, no matter who plays for that Kings team, you know, this just this just has to be a win for the Wolves. Uh, you know, come out flat and lose that one. And I don't know. I mean, faith, <laughs> this Wolves team is just going to really continue to go down this. They got to get back on track with a win over the Kings at home on Wednesday. And then probably the same against San Antonio on Thursday. All right, before we wrap this up, I'm going to recap my prize picks from tonight because I actually got more right than wrong for the first time in like well over a week. I took over 15 and a half points and over nine and a half assists for Chris Paul tonight. Just thinking, you know, he's playing Patrick Beverly for the first time since, you know, Beverly decked him in, uh, what was that, in the the Western Conference second round? Or was that the Western Conference finals? Yeah. Um, but Chris Paul came out like really slow as he kind of does. You know, he tries to get other people involved. He only had two points and six assists through the first three quarters which left my picks feeling very much in jeopardy, but Paul scored 19 fourth quarter points to hit the over there. And he did come up just shy on assists, finishing with eight. So that was the one I got wrong tonight. The other two that I thought were easy money that, uh, that I did both get correct. I got both of them correct were two and a half made free throws for Carl Anthony towns and two and a half made free throws for Devin Booker. That seemed so low uh, for cat. And then also it just feels like, any Wolves prop about that relates to fouls is feeling very safe these days. The Wolves are dead last in the league in foul frequency. And ah, if you've been watching these games, you've been tracking it. I mean, it, it it's crazy. It's every single game. You know, McDaniels, Vanderbilt, Cat. It's just three, four, five fouls all at the foul trouble points of the game. So, you know, <laughs> in these picks, free throws are probably... Uh, you know, probably a safe bet. So I went three and one on the night. That brings me to 24, 26 and one on the season. If I go three and one again on Wednesday, I'll be back to 500. I, it's, it's been, uh, it's been cool to see how many of you are like sending me pictures of who your, who your picks are on prize picks, uh, before these games. I think I'm guessing for many of you, like it is for me, this is the first time you've done anything. That's any sort of daily fantasy stuff for the NBA. Like I, like I say every night on this, it's it's fun. It's a little additional thing to be looking at as the game's going on. So if you haven't signed up or if your friends haven't signed up, try it out. Download the Prize Picks app to start playing. Uh, if you use the promo code Dane, they'll give you 100 bucks in a sign-up bonus. And, and yeah, but make sure you use that promo code Dane. That's about it for tonight. One small announcement, though, I do want to bring up is that I am going to be doing some freelance writing for bring me the news this year uh on monday i wrote a column titled anthony edwards is reading the room i i don't actually know how i don't know if many of you know this but my background is in writing not in podcasting uh you probably just know me from this show but that used to be my wolves job before i got this microphone and started doing this all the time uh i i love writing so so check that out i think it's um i think it's different than the podcast, but also, you know, similar in ways too. So I look forward to you being able to not just listen, but read me this year as well. 
as I mentioned additionally on the last show, Britt and I will not be recording on Tuesday like we normally do and will instead be recording on Wednesday afternoon. So that will be the next time you hear from me. Obviously, the Wolves have a game that Wednesday night as well. It is a back-to-back, though. Wednesday, Kings, Spurs, Thursday. So I'm not doing pods after the front end of back-to-backs this year. So no Wednesday uh, recap pod, but there will be one recapping kind of both games after the Spurs game on Thursday. But before that, I'll talk to you all with Britt on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around.